This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease when you buy kroger brand products you feel like you're winning that's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices in fact we guarantee that you and your family will love how kroger brand products taste or you get your money back so next time you're shopping for the family look for delicious kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning shop now in store or online Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's 4.58 a.m. at a non-denominational church service in the Coachella Valley, and you're listening to Night Call. Hello, and welcome to Night Call, a podcast for your strange days and lonely nights. My name is Emily Yoshida. I am in New York, and with me on the other line, as always, we have... Molly Lambert, and across from me... Hello, I'm Tess Lynch! And of course, I'm Tess Lynch! And of course, I never stop doing it, and I won't. (laughs) I... I did the intro for today's episode somewhat blindly because I know that there is a new hot religion uh, that is uh, that has taken seed in California, but I don't know all the details of it uh, other than it involves Kanye West and that it is headed for Coachella well. as all cultural phenomena are eventually. But please tell me everything, Molly. <laughs> um, Sunday services expert Molly Lambert logging on. 
Logan accepted. What I learned from tweeting about this is that Kanye fans get really mad if you call it a church. It's apparent they're like, it's not a church. Nobody called it a church. It's just a gathering. Um, what, but it's a religious mm-hmm. gathering. Well, but it is not a church service. There's no pastor. It's just people gathering in an outdoor space in Calabasas somewhere to listen to a gospel choir and Kanye play Kanye songs and like classic R&B songs. Okay. Okay. So is Chris Jenner the kind of like puppet master? Is Here's that what, what I what learned think? about this because I was like, oh, like I saw these blind items. Emily also saw them about Chris Jenner yes. starting a religion. Then I looked into it. Turns out Chris Jenner did start a church. It's different than this. No. She started a church in, I believe, 2014. Mm-hmm. It was 2014 or 2016. Um, that is called, uh, I should have looked it up, but it's called something very banal and Christian. Yeah. It's like the Christian Fellowship Association or mm-hmm. something. Uh, and it is not yet confirmed that the Kanye Sunday services have anything to do with Chris Jenner's mm. own. But how could they not? I feel like there's a lot of ways that they could not. Like, uh, the blind item that I read actually had nothing to do with Chris Jenner. It was hinting that Kanye was starting a church that was going to be, like, ostensibly, you know, non-denominational, just sort of like a gathering. But the end result was that it was, like, it, they would literally be worshiping him. That's like it would be a church to worship it Kanye. Seems like I want to read that blind item. Have you seen the video? <laughs> very badly. If you watch the videos, because, okay, so they've been, like, promoting this. It's clearly, like, all of a sudden we're hearing about it because the information being seeded by Chris Jenner. For us to find out, mm-hmm. but they've been posting videos of like, here's Northwest like dancing at church, but they or not at church, but just like dancing at Sunday services mm-hmm. or whatever. And they didn't say specifically where it was. And then they were like, hey, it's this thing, Sunday services. We all just hang out in this rented outdoor space somewhere. And we invited all these celebrities, such as Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry, I believe, attended. And you would think that Katy Perry would stay the hell away from I that, know. given her background. I know. And you uh, think a lot of these people would still be staying away from Kanye, given yeah. all the Trump stuff recently. Yeah. yeah. If this were like 10 years ago, and this were like the direction he went in, people would be like, oh, interesting, a gospel album, right. sure. But because it's now, yeah. it doesn't yeah. It doesn't seem like it's going to go in a good direction. It's hard for me to look at these things even at this point because I feel like I do not want to. Like I just I feel like it's out of respect for Kanye. I need to look away, um, which is something we've kind of talked about it on the podcast okay. before. It has this weird sense of like as like an influencer church, even if it's a small one for right now. I cannot help but think of like <laughs> this is such a nerdy comparison, but it's like Disney no longer taking movies to Comic-Con. Like, if if Hillsong is Comic-Con, it's like, we'll do our own thing. We'll have all the best properties and people at this thing. It definitely (laughs) seems, like, inspired directly by proximity to Hillsong, Mm -hmm. you know, which also has a big West Valley Everybody went there. Yeah, all these people have gone to Hillsong, which, you know, is a cult and is a Christian cult that... Has a lot of the music festival Christianity, the sort of like more recent mm-hmm. rebranding of Christianity is like Jesus liked to wander in the desert in sandals. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what we're all doing at Coachella. 
Oh, come on. I don't wear sandals to cook. You don't? It's so hot, It's a though. fool's errand. It's so hot. <laughs> then again, I wore, I wore sandals to Jesus. Coachella and stepped on a chopstick and got... Right, but Jesus, Jesus wouldn't complain. That's why. Yeah. Jesus wouldn't complain. That's true. <laughs> stigmata. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got stigmata <laughs> I did. at Coachella. I, well, how Christ-like of you. Yeah. I was extremely Christ-like the whole time at Coachella, and don't let anyone tell you I wasn't. So th- this is eventually he's taking the service to like an uh, an outpost or something or they're doing like a they're doing a pop up at Coachella they're doing a pop up at Coachella but it seems to me like they're recruiting people actively right and whether the goal is to recruit people into an actual organization or just to sell them merch like right. I guess what's the difference a little bit yeah. uh, but they're definitely going to sell some merch oh for yeah. sure by all reports. Uh, Kanye is rather hurting financially. Mm. That's the last I heard when I read anything in depth or, or even just gossipy about him was that like all was not well. I mean, I will say uh, also that like when you see the footage of this, because like a lot of Kanye fans again are in my mentions being like, why are you being so cynical? It's just people celebrating, you know, God and music. Like, don't be a hater. Uh, but it's a little sinister looking just because it's like everybody's wearing these white outfits. It's very, it's a little culty looking. It looks culty. Like definitely. Polyphonic Spree was like not that long ago, but I guess <laughs> everybody's too young to remember that. Now. <laughs> Wait, what happened with the Polyphonic Spree? Just cult themed stuff. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The optics. It doesn't seem know. like the time for Kanye to go in the cult themed. Uh, no. Yeah, he has to wait a little, a little. I mean, I think that he could have done it right after like ultralight beams, like that performance on SNL. Mm-hmm. I feel like the world was ready for like Kanye to to pivot to to, to being a pastor. No, pivot or to Jesus makes sense, but he has that. I mean, other people were like, but he that does. was before all this other shit happened. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah, but people were like, he has a lot of the qualities of like a mega pastor. Anyway, yeah. does he though? He yeah. seems very unsure of himself at times, which seems to be not what a like cult leader needs to have. I mean, well, I was reminded of uh, because the Pitchfork, you know, they sometimes run reviews of older albums that they didn't have reviewed. And so they had done a review of um, the second Fiona Apple album, When mm. the Pawn, which is like one of my favorite albums of all time. But uh, I've forgotten that that was also one of Kanye's favorite albums of all time. And he said he listened to Fiona Apple because he wanted to be able to rap as if he was rapping from the top of a mountain, I believe was the quote. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so like this okay. triangle between like uh, like being a, yeah, yeah, like an evangelical or like, like you know, that televangelist quality. Fiona Apple and Kanye West is like an odd one, but I, I like trying to put it together. In what my were head. You, you were saying something good on Twitter the other day where you were like, Jesus never had a midlife crisis. Like that's the whole appeal. <laughs> oh, right. Well, that's because of this uh, Mary Magdalene movie that's that's coming out with uh with Rooney right you Mara were like you were and, like Joaquin yeah. Phoenix is too old to play Jesus yeah yes. he's like in his mid-40s and he's basically giving the same performance that he gave in you were never really here as like a PTSD suffering uh like hitman mm-hmm. uh who like like it's it like that's how the Jesus is presented that's too bad. <laughs> I was hoping for like Sportello Jesus well it's sort of there it's a very it's a very slurry Jesus um so yeah, it's 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 an interesting performance. Uh, but Jesus is hot now. Jesus is cool, uh, and that 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 movie also has a lot of like white gauze and stuff. It's a similar. Isn't that look. like what all the cool churches are just like? Jesus was hot. Jesus is right. cool. Hey, night call listeners. 
Have you heard about this company making stylish shoes for women and girls out of recycled plastic water bottles? Oh, and they're insanely comfortable and machine washable. Rothy's has quickly grown to a most-loved, gotta-have-them brand. It's no surprise they have over 1,000 nearly perfect reviews. They're stylish, sustainable, comfortable, washable. They're the perfect flats for life on the go. I got my Rothy's a few months ago, and I have worn them a bunch of times to formal occasions. I like to wear flats, and so these are perfect flats. They're really comfortable. They have a really good sole. And as you're saying, you can wash them because they are made out of recyclable plastic, which is awesome because I like to wear shoes out a lot. Rothy's are the everyday flats for life on the go. They're stylish and versatile, and they go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. Rothy's come in a wide range of colors and patterns, and they're available in four different silhouettes. Plus, they're constantly launching new styles, so you're guaranteed to find a pair, or three, you love. Since Rothy's are seamlessly crafted from recycled water bottles, they're ultra-comfortable as soon as you slip them on. That's right, there's zero break-in period in these shoes. It will blow your mind that these shoes are made from recycled plastic water bottles. In fact, Rothy's has diverted over 25 million water bottles from landfills. These are feel-good flats in more ways than one. You'll quickly discover why BuzzFeed called them their forever shoes. Right now, Rothy's has an amazing deal for Nightcall listeners. Use code NIGHTCALL to get free shipping with no minimum. Free shipping and free returns exchanges on your Rothy's shoes. And trust me, you won't return them. Go to rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com, and enter Nightcall to get your new favorite flats and free shipping. Once you try shoes that are comfortable, stylish, and sustainable, you're never going to wear anything else. Head to rothys.com and claim this offer with code NIGHTCALL. Well, speaking of spectacular performances, uh, we have been talking about Siegfried and Roy because um, Siegfried and Roy's animal handler, Chris Lawrence, recently gave an interview to The Hollywood Reporter about what really happened with Manticore. Uh. Um, Yikes. (laughs) Emily, you said this was one of your biggest fears. Yeah. So I was sort of surprised to go back and realize that this happened in 2003. This was like Mm -hmm. horrifying, uh, you know, in front of a live audience. Roy Horn was attacked by one of their tigers during a show which effectively just shut down the Siegfried and Roy show. Like they had been, you know, the biggest show in Vegas for most of the 90s. And I I swore that this happened when I was younger because I just remember this giving me nightmares. Like just, you know, you're hearing the new, hearing it on the news on television. Like it's yeah. it's one of the most horrifying things I can imagine being somebody in the audience watching it happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, Seems like the also, scariest thing. There's like a whole lead up that I'd kind of forgotten about where they realize that Manticore the tiger is not like doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah. And so there's a lot of like, Manticore, yeah. are you okay? Like, say hello, Manticore. Yeah. And so it's like that awful feeling of being in the audience when something's going wrong and, and you don't know nothing bad happens, but this is like the worst thing happened. Yeah. Can you imagine if you saw that? No, oh that's God. what I'm saying. It would scar you forever. And apparently yeah. it did scar this guy, uh, Chris Lawrence, the trainer, the main handler. And so he he hadn't talked to the media for some time, but he's like, you know, he's been diagnosed with PTSD, understandably. I mean, he was right there on stage as it was happening and he, like, feels like he bears this responsibility for how it played out because he had, like, 
agreed to have this, this tiger be used for the show, even though they had planned on another one. Like it, it was just like all the stuff that obviously, you know, nobody could have predicted, but he's been blaming himself for ever since. Um, and also, so there's the the investigation that happened afterwards. Um, yeah. Was it seems shady as hell. Like yeah. They would not take Chris Lawrence's statement. So he said he felt as though he had to kind of clear his conscience. But it's like the brand, the like Siegfried and Roy brand kind of remains mm-hmm. um, of just like you can't blame the animals. Yeah. It's not the animal's fault. And I guess that there was some people kind of were like, well, maybe Roy was having a stroke and the tiger wanted to. Yeah, that's help the story. Him. Yeah, that he it's was like, having a what? stroke on stage, but she did suffer a stroke, but it was after. The tiger had punctured his from, yeah. his artery yeah. and, you know, he has suffered a loss of blood from his brain. So he did have a stroke. But, yeah, I, it feels like the whole thing was just to, you know, even if they weren't going to have a show anymore, if they were going to merchandise in it anyway and, they you know, they produced some kid show afterwards about a lion or whatever. Like the idea that that lions are our friends needed to stay intact. Um, and, you know, big cats are our friends and they won't hurt us and they've been improperly branded which you know uh it, it's a night yeah <laughs> clearly well, roy also roy was like i guess siegfried was more the illusionist and roy was more like the tiger guy yeah. he always claimed like he had never never even faced any aggression from any of the animals and he had like a psychic bond with them um i mean this yeah. was all like you know there was cat dancers in i think 2007 right and then yeah. you know there's the siegfried and roy thing coming out and then Grizzly Man, there's like yeah. this trifecta of Grizzly these Man lessons. is also 07, I think. Too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, but like Werner Herzog voice, like you cannot, you cannot tame the cats. Can't tame nature. You cannot tame the cats. Cat dancers in the Siegfried and Roy story have this sort of like sheen of Vegas showmanship on top of it, which is like right. the show must go on because we're in the cat dancing business. <laughs> Well, also, um, Cat Dancers was like the most interesting love triangle. Oh my god! Ever, and that that came out. That was like packaged with Crazy Love. I remember, which was the love story, the scare quotes love story of a couple where the man had blinded the woman by throwing poison in her face. Oh my uh, god! And those two came out at the same time, and I remember being was that like, on HBO? Yes, they oh. were both on HBO. Um, and they were, I believe, interviewed together. Whereas Cat Dancers, there's the one remaining. Right. Member of the love triangle. And it's like this guy, the Chris Lawrence, the trainer for Siegfried and Roy, like he's obviously traumatized and he had worked with these guys for a few years and worked with these animals for a while. But like the added like brutality of cat dancers is that the guy and now I'm blanking on his name, uh, the, the guy who's the main storyteller in that. Ron Holiday. Ron Holiday. Like he watched not just like people he had been working with, but like literally the two people he loved most in the world. Yeah. Get you know, torn apart in front of it. Like, well, it's so But it's bad. also such an unreliable narrator type of thing yeah. because he was, I think you could probably feel some jealousy going on from Ron. And so when first the tiger attacked um, the guy who was like the third person, Chuck, uh that happened and then Joy was like so yeah. bereaved and I think that that kind of like didn't sit well with Ron. And then you add to that the fact that Joy's death you by Tiger. You guys are giving so many spoilers. Oh, for I'm cat sorry. Dancers. We got to we got to well, spoil, spoil, spoil. I, I will just say that like this came up. I had not seen Cat Dancers before last week. Oh, um, and oh. yeah, no, I hadn't seen it because I was talking about the the Siegfried and Roy story, and then. Um, 
huge shout out to both Price Peterson and Gideon Yago, who both pointed me towards Cat Dancers, which I had heard of. I just I think it came out during my dark ages with cable where I just didn't have any like I didn't have HBO or anything I think like I that. I owned it so. on DVD for some reason and I would like <laughs> nice. make a lot for of, all the right I reasons. Think I made a lot of people watch it. Yeah. Maybe including Tess. Uh yeah. You definitely told me to watch Cat Dancers and it, it took like two seconds into the pitch. I was like, I will well, find it. Well the name this. is very doesn't tell you that much. It feels in a lot of ways like we're just like litigating the eighties finally, is what I was saying. Because there's yeah. like a Michael Jackson mention in this and right. it also just all the things you're like Everything is so weird that they're yeah. talking about, yeah, like a magician stage show with tigers on stage that's for children. Michael yep. Jackson used to just come and hang out with the animals, apparently, according to the Hollywood Reporter article, like he, and to the point where the trainers were like annoyed with him. <laughs> he would just stay and linger. It's also like Siegfried and Roy were were lovers and then just work partners, which makes you wonder. If I you... didn't realize they weren't. I thought that they were still together. No, I think oh. they broke up. But no, because Siegfried's they... still taking care yeah, of Roy. Yeah, he's taking care of But I think him. they're still like best friends. I think huh. they talked about it. Like they were no longer together romantically, but they were still like life partners. Look, wow. all I Cause... want is the Steven Soderbergh Siegfried and Roy movie like so badly. Yes. Yeah, you said um... you said that. And then I was like, that is so correct. And then I pitched that it should be Matt Damon and Ben Affleck? Yes. Uh, with Ben Affleck as Roy Horn. I yeah. feel like this could really be mm-hmm. the role of a lifetime. Yeah. Um, I think we should make it happen, you guys. We'll start a seed and spark about it. Yes. Yeah. We'll raise that money. Steven Soderbergh, come Get on. At it. Come on, Night Call. I already told Molly and Emily this, but I do just want to share that I had an encounter with Siegfried and Roy that like haunts me forever, which is that oh, I right. was going to a cousin's wedding in New York, and this would have been like three to four years so it would have been 99 or 2000 and um my whole family was staying in this hotel and i was having a guest in my room and i lit candles and in the lobby there was a giant like pet carrier and there was a tiger inside and then siegfried and roy like walked through the lobby And I was like, this is the weirdest day ever. And then at the end of the same day, I accidentally lit a lampshade on fire with a votive candle. And it was my most cinematic day. So thank you, Siegfried and Roy. Did you see the tiger? Yeah, I saw the... I saw the tiger. What color was it? It was a white tiger. What? And then I fact-checked myself before I came here because I was like, am I sure it was this hotel? Like, it seems really weird that they would allow those in the hotel. And one of the people who worked at the hotel gave an interview and was like, one of the weirdest things I ever did working at this hotel was to watch the tigers from Siegfried and Roy's Tigers in the lobby to make sure nobody approached them. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, again, you're just like, okay, so they just let the tigers be in the lobby of a hotel in New York? Just... They were in cages. Yeah, were they doing a show come on. in New York? I have no idea. I mean. I would assume. That has to is... be like a publicity thing or something, too. It's like. They have to get them around. I mean, yeah. it's weird to think, like, how do you get a t- on a private plane? I don't know. They're yeah. 400 pounds. Look, let's just get to the point. It's not the tiger's fault, y'all. It's never the, it's never the animal's fault. Um, but it is like maybe you have to be an insane person to be like you have to have a little bit of a death wish to work with big cats like yeah, that. It's a In rush. a way, I don't know, though. It's like I think you can just brainwash yourself into thinking that you're somehow a like special person right, who yeah. is not. Well, I do that with my small cat. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think everyone does that with animals. We should go to Tippi Hedren's Big Cat Preserve. Oh, my God. 
I, I don't think it's now's not the time after talking about this. I'm just like, let them be. Let don't them you be wanna, in like, nature. Face death by like looking it in the eye across the the void of species. No. No. And I say this as a person with way too many pets. No. <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> This week's episode of Night Call is brought to you by Cheers Health. This is Emily, and I'm an old lady, and uh, I have gotten to the point where the amount of drinks that used to just kind of roll off me and I didn't care about anymore are actually kind of impacting my life. Uh, It is a problem, I think, for anybody who's past the age of 25. If you drink more than a couple drinks in a night, you're not going to feel 100% the next day. This is true. I think it was literally like the day I turned 25, (laughs) I noticed that I was like, okay, I can have one glass of wine with dinner and be fine. But if I'm, I wasn't going crazy or anything. Um, Once a year, I do go crazy to do drunk history, but (laughs) normally I do not because I want to stay alive. Um, But yeah, I noticed I was like, okay, I can have one glass of wine. If I have any more than one glass of wine, I wake up, I have a headache. I just don't feel great. And especially since having kids, because you have to wake up no matter what at like six. But it also kind of sucks to miss out on celebrating birthdays, New Year's, just being able to like relax with a couple drinks and not feel like garbage the next day is really nice. Um, So Cheers is really helpful for that. Yeah, we got our samples of Cheers just last week. And I was very curious, so um, I went out after a day of spending the day inside. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to my local bar, and I'm going to have maybe one more drink than I would usually have, just to see how this thing works. Uh, So I had three glasses of wine and pretended to watch basketball, and then came home and took both the um, oral rehydration system powder and the three after-alcohol aid tablets, which is what you're supposed to take, and watched Cat Dancers. And uh, woke up the next morning and felt amazing. It really helped me get the rest of my day back in a way that, like, I think normally I would have felt sluggish and not able to work as much the next day. And I kind of just felt more or less on top of things, which was uh, a great help. I took it um, and I had three glasses of wine and I woke up the next day. And the thing I noticed the most was that I always get a headache and I didn't have one. And Cheers is healthy for your liver, too, so you can feel good about taking it. Um, To use Cheers, you just take two to four capsules after your last alcohol beverage or before you go to bed. If you don't wake up feeling at least 50% better the next day, you get your money back guaranteed, which is nice. I felt more than 50% better, I will say. So to order Cheers... Nightcall listeners can go to cheershealth.com and enter promo code NIGHTCALL at checkout to get 10% off of your first order and a free gift. That's cheershealth.com, promo code NIGHTCALL, N-I-G-H-T-C-A-L-L, for 10% off and a free gift with your first order. Always remember to cheers. With cheers, you're going to start feeling better when you wake up and your liver is going to thank you. Speaking of brushes with death that awaken the fire within, we're going to talk about another movie for The Erotic Odyssey. Um, We watched this week Adrian Lyne's Nine and a Half Weeks, as promised. Is it Lynn or Lyne? I think it's Lyne. I think it's Lynn. I don't know. know, And I'm glad someone else said it. Yeah. 
Here's what I have to say about nine and a half weeks. That was an air horn. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was the what best movie it? we've watched. It it's, is so good. Yeah. I mean, Fatal Attraction, I'll always be really loyal to, but I, this came very close to toppling it. I was, I had low, low, low expectations. I'd never seen You'd this never movie You've never seen before. it? No, I'd I don't know this. why. No. Oh, I went through a period when I had a lot of time when I watched <laughs> all the erotic films. It was right when you could first watch movies on the internet right. legally. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, ooh, I'm going to watch every movie I ever wanted to Did rent. Did you watch right. the uncut version or That's no? what I was about to ask you guys. Yeah. I have no idea. So I watched listen. whatever was on the internet. It's on right. iTunes. It's $15. I was like, it, it was... It. A horrible moment. I sat there for like five minutes being like, I don't know, $14. You did it. No, I didn't. I I didn't end up doing it. Like I might buy it. Uh, just to see Emily, I'm right behind you. Well, I'm gonna do it too. I'm gonna watch this movie again. It is so good. Like I, I feel s- foolish for not having seen it now, but I also feel like maybe I needed to be. I needed to wait till this moment in my life to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, it contains volumes. I think it's like a fascinating film, and I could probably talk about it for two hours on this podcast. No, me too. <laughs> we have to get through everything. Like we've already had text chains and everything about this, but yeah. let's for the let's uninitiated. Sum it up. Yeah. This movie came out in 1986. It stars Kim Basinger as Elizabeth, Mickey Rourke, which, by the way, I've never in my life been like Mickey, Mickey Rourke. Rourke. Hey. I'm going well, to say nev- Mickey Rourke. You've never seen a Mickey Rourke movie from from a while no, ago. No, I ha- this, I have to say, I was like, Have you seen huh. Diner? Yeah, I was yeah, going to say I, Diner. I was He's not even in drawn in. He's hot in Diner, but I th- there's something special going on with Mickey Rourke. Um, Margaret Witten plays Molly. Tony Soprano's lawyer is in this movie ordering a hot water with lemon and sweet and low in like one of an early scene that I was like, I like this movie. It's a very weird movie. Christine Baranski has like one line and she puts a spoon on her nose and everyone laughs and that's it. And it also stars Karen Young, who I did not know who this woman was, but I knew she was in something else I loved. And she was the FBI agent in The Sopranos. Who plays a yeah. pivotal role. That's such an amazing call because I did not see that. And as soon as you said that on the text chain, I was like, oh, my God. It was going right. to make me insane. I was like, who yeah. is she? Emily yeah. introduced an idea, which is the bingo, the erotic thriller bingo. Yeah, based on our observations thus far, um, we have a long list. I can go through the ones I have written down because I started to write them down while I was watching this as they occurred to me. But, okay, so we have Houseboat, which this movie has a houseboat. Check. It's not his only residence. In fact, it's like a friend's house, but it's the first yeah. place that he takes her to. So it's like mm-hmm. seduction via houseboat, which very yes. much fits into the genre. Um, Venetian Blinds, of course. Uh, future Stars of the Sopranos. Um, cocaine. An art gallery. Uh, separately, an art collector. Opera music. Sex tapes, sex on stairs or elevators, the Pacific Northwest, um, and exhibitionism. Spaghetti and dinners with red wine. Spaghetti dinner, yes. Garter belts, which I swear to God, I was like, no one wore garter belts except yeah. in these movies in the eighties. Like everyone there wore were legs. A lot of garter belts in music videos, also in the eighties. Yeah, 80s. yeah. everyone just was just of, wearing legs with two G's that know, came in the egg. Everybody was like a leg person in the eighties. Yeah. Leg, I'm a leg man. <laughs> I only the 80s. That's legs. No, you're. I'm thinking about all those 
there's like so many videos that involve just like high heels and like socks, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. that was such a big thing in the 80s that I'm still like the height of sexiness. Oh, yeah. yeah. High heels with frilly socks. I also just Sex learned what gleeking is. Gleeking? gleeking is. No, I didn't know what gleeking was. And during the spaghetti dinner, I was like, did he just gleek at her? Like, this is Wait, it, the whole that? movie was so funny. It's when Gle- you squirt saliva through your teeth. It's oh, something only oh. some people can do, but they can gleek. Roy, our producer, is saying he can gleek. You can gleek, Roy? <laughs> I didn't know it was a thing. <laughs> no, this is, I, I just learned last week about gleeking, and I was like, what? And then I was like, I just caught an accidental gleek with that spaghetti. They have sex on stairs in this, um, in this movie uh, when they are— Underground. Yeah. In the sewer. Like, basically in a sewer. Um, well, before we saw it, I was it was, again, like— um, like Hand the Rocks at Cradle, where I was like, is this a erotic thriller? Because I knew that it was like a drama and it's essentially like I, I was thinking of it as like the prototypical Fifty Shades of Grey. Like it's just the story of a love affair. Um, I didn't know how much the thriller dies. aspect would be in it. But it is extremely tense to watch and extreme. Yes. Like I was nervous while watching a lot of this because it is They very use much- horror music. Yes. I mean, the horror music will come on like during a sex scene yes. and you're like, holy yeah. shit. And he also on the houseboat, he's like, no one can hear you scream. And he right. talks at this low register. And he's always oh, smiling. Yeah. <laughs> always smirking. You know, one of the like early scenes where I was like, ah, everyone's going to die. He puts her on a Ferris wheel by herself. He has the guy, like, crank her to the top of the Ferris wheel and then is like, ha, 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 I'm leaving. Goodbye. And I was like, I can't believe she's going to stay. Like, how is there more movie unless he, like, puts her in a basement? She's into it. She's She's into into it. it. Um, uh, that reminds me of like The Bachelor or anything where they like have to jump off of a cliff together and like the, the girl is like always genuinely terrified and screaming and sometimes the guy too. And then like, but that's what like, that's like a psychologically proven thing that will draw people together because it's like, oh my God, we went through this intense thing together or like I went through this intense thing uh, with you. And now I feel like that much more of a bond, even if it's not necessarily a positive bond. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this... It introduces the S&M that will come into play yeah. later. So, like, this movie is basically just, like, John Gray. Is that his name? Yes. John Gray. I mean, it's, like, meant to be the most anonymous name and, like, definitely a precursor to Christian Gray as well. But, like, he's just this, uh, like, a Wall Street guy who meets uh, Elizabeth, who works at an art gallery um, when they're in Chinatown, and then instant spark, he had to have her type things. They go out. What do they do? on the? They go for a drink at, like, a Polish restaurant or something. It starts as a normal relationship. Yeah, it's very and, cute. It's, like, a very cute seduction. And then it gets weird. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, like... It, it gets really weird. Well, the other thing that this movie has in its favor is just that it's, like, so gorgeous. It's one of the, like, prettiest New York movies I've ever seen on top of all the bizarre sex that's happening. like Yeah, all these movies make me realize why, just, like, everyone lived in 80s New York. Yep. Yeah. And, and Had to. It's a wonderful touch also that all the intertitle fonts are Woody Allen font, but in, like, it's sexy so red. Sexy red. <laughs> also, shout out to using Roxy music really well. Mm-hmm. in this movie. I was like, ooh, it is 80s New York. It's like... <laughs> Here's what I learned about this movie, too. It was a bomb yeah, yeah. in America, and then it became a big hit internationally. In the uncut version. Unedited. In the yeah. uncut version. Because yeah. the Europeans love the softcore. <laughs> so, like, the arc of this movie is basically, like, sh- he starts introducing this weird sort of dominant 
and also kind of unconventional. His tastes are unconventional. His tastes are unconventional. Um, <laughs> like element into the relationship. She's con- like continually in sort of like a, I don't know place and then goes along with it and it keeps going like further and further. She gets like more and more spacey at her job. She thinks she's being hypnotized by the watch he gives her. And then it kind of hits this point. I feel like the, the, the breaking point is the like crawl on your knees for the money point which is like so alarming even after all this other stuff because some of the stuff I genuinely think is sort of amazing like like sending her men's clothing to dress up in and a mustache it's so it was great it's great um and it's and then that culminates in like the best sex scene of the entire movie as well I think um which is the which is the underground source (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but because um, she's like I just want to be one of the guys and then he like takes her out for a drink and like talks about her as if he's like another guy like locker room talk or something and then they go and like get in a fight in a street fight <laughs> okay <laughs> but get, wait you're they forgetting gay bashed people think they get they're gay bashed and then she's that what and was happening she, yes. yes and then she stabs the people that in the are ass gay in the butt in the yeah. Ass. yeah she stabs him in the and butt. then but they then have they, like, sex to celebrate yeah. it's so weird it is so weird it's that, amazing that i mean it is it's you're kind it's of, a very confusing reaction that one has it's the phantom of the opera Kind of. I mean, he is very much like a, I don't want to meet your friends. Like, yeah, I, just like, I want live in a sewer. You can only your have sex with me in the sewer. Me. Like, your night, it's the Phantom of the Opera. But he's also Patrick Bateman. And Emily yes. and I both had this thought. <laughs> and there's this part where he like when he first brings her. I don't. I think it's when he first brings her to his apartment. But it may actually be on the houseboat. And he goes, "Do you like music?" And then he's like, "Billy Holiday," and he puts on "Strange Fruit," and it's like. Excuse what a weird me that is the weirdest and I was yeah. just picturing Brett Easton Ellis like watching this movie and being like the logical conclusion is that yeah. he's like a he's psychopath who murders no, everyone no I think Brett Easton Ellis is probably watching it and being like this is the coolest guy <laughs> yeah, ever that too. Um, well, and then he takes her back to his apartment where he has like the six TVs which is totally yeah. like I associate right. with like less than zero like well, the what's party funny? Yes. <laughs> well American Psycho the movie is so good because it parodies all of yeah. the stuff that Exactly. Also, it yeah. has so the remove well. of being made in the late '90s, so you have that yeah. kind of yeah. 15 year, at least from and the peak of like Wall Street extreme. Yeah, made by a woman. <laughs> yeah, made by a woman in the '90s. But, but yeah, this is yeah. definitely all the stuff that I thought was like grown and sexy when you first, because that's like when we were kids in the 80s, you were like, this is what grown-ups are like. They wear <laughs> suits and have Venetian blinds. Yeah. <laughs> they go to art galleries yeah. and eat caviar and then have sex in a sewer after an elaborate fantasy role play. Okay, well speaking of the sex scenes, are we? can we talk about the fridge? Yeah. The fridge oh scene? God. That's in like an upsetting scene for me. It and was the, f- yeah. but it was so funny and like over the, and it was parodied like everywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've seen like three different parodies of this, but you don't need to parody it because it's its own parody. And the funniest thing is that he like cracks an egg yeah. and then slices with an egg slicer, a hard boiled egg as if he's just like hard boiled <laughs> it with his mind. <laughs> and then he gives her like 70 <laughs> different kinds of cherries. He's like, here's a real cherry. Here's maraschino, maraschino cherries. Here's some cherry liquor. He's like, I, and meanwhile, you're looking into her fridge and all you see is like half a watermelon and the thing right. is open for so long. And it's open pouring, the entire like, milk. time. This is the it drove me thing. insane. Yes. Exactly. You were like, the electricity bill. Also, no, they well, don't yeah. kiss for a really long time. He's just feeding 
feeding her. He feeds her. He starts off with the maraschino cherry. Then I think he goes to strawberries and cherry tomatoes. And then he gives her a jalapeno. <laughs> and then he yes. kisses her. And it's like her breath has then to be so weird. Milk. No, she gives her the pepper. And then he dumps milk into her mouth. <laughs> right. And then he like, but they, I don't think they kiss until after he's like squirted honey all over her. Yeah. And the only thing I could think of is like right before this scene, you see the cat come in. Because yeah. she has a cat. And, and then like, the, the cat cat's going to get covered in honey and no, cherry I'm tomatoes. Like, I'm like, she's on the floor, which yeah. is probably disgusting. And she's covered in honey and he's like licking no, it off of her. She's not like, thinking about oh, it. God. I do love the shot where the cat like just walks out, like sees himself out. He's like, yeah. I'm not going to stick it around for this. Do cats go in the bingo? I feel like there's some cats. Oh, yeah. There's been some good cats. Um, there's no, also- well, there's only a bunny and a dog i believe in fatal attraction so we can't check that but there has to be the domesticated animal yeah. because these are all deme- they're yeah. you know the domestic domesticating mm-hmm. a human kind of thing well I, I was very interested to read about the book that this is based off of also there's a really yes. interesting article about ingeborg day who is the author of the book she she published it pseudonymously uh it, it's called nine and a half weeks and uh she published it under the name of the character elizabeth something but now it, her name is out there um but there's a 2012 new yorker article by sarah weinman about uh she also wrote a memoir under her own name about uh the fact that she'd grown up with a, her dad was a nazi and she's just been trying to reckon with this her entire life bing bong yep yeah. <laughs> and uh and then she also had this, you know, this memoir of this, you know, sadomasochistic affair that, like, seems to have really upset her and, like, permanently altered her life. Well, because it was so much worse than what happened in the adaptation because right. if this had been yeah. adapted truthfully, you would have been, like, noping well, on right. out of there. That's right. the interesting thing about it to me, though, is, like, all the stuff about Mickey Rourke's version of this guy being this sort of domesticated man. Like, he's like, I want to take care of you. I want to cook for you and feed you and, like, lay out your clothes in the morning like a housewife, basically. Yeah. But then I want to, like, dominate you at night. Um, which, but also, you, I won't meet your friends. Right. Yeah. It's very like pretty woman. Also, it's like yeah. we can do all this weird shit, but we can't kiss on the mouth because that's too intimate. Right. right. <laughs> it's so much more interesting than just being a straight up like fantasy, like erotica yes. type thing because it's such a mind fuck to have this guy who is like both at acting out like I was saying on the, to Tess I was just like it's like he read the that porn for women book or something and yeah. it was like oh yes I shall be this for, yeah. for her but is like super super disturbed I don't mean to say that like BDSM relationships are are disturbed in some way but clearly this guy has some issues like well and there's a lot of stuff that's like on the border like of consensual in this like yeah that's sort of why the whole thing feels so tense because you're just like is she into it or is she not i need to know whether she's into this or not right now. and her performance is great because yeah. there are times when you are very surprised especially at the end i think um Kim by her rules. yeah she rules she's so good <laughs> in this yeah also though what's interesting about the the memoir nine and a half weeks is that right. ingborg day worked at, at miss Min's. magazine yeah. and then she she left because this affair drove her to have a nervous breakdown and actually the guy she was having the affair with dropped her off at a mental asylum yeah. and then was and like peace out i'm again. gone yeah. oh and she God. was there for months and months but what's really interesting about this movie and all of the movies on our erotic odyssey, <laughs> I think, is that part of the real tension is that 
you know, Elizabeth seems to, like, love her job so much. And her affair with John makes it impossible for her to be able to be on task at work to the point where, like, as a weird, like, C-plot, she ends up, like, finding an artist who is maybe suffering from dementia. And because she's, like— It's also—yeah, it's also velvet so weird, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Where she's just, like, come to this gallery opening and everyone's, like, he's so weird. And then she feels like she's kind of, like, dropped the ball and, like, really harmed someone. And that kind of contributes. But it's interesting because all of the erotic thrillers that we've watched from the 80s and early 90s kind of deal with, like— A woman feeling, well, it's just like a woman who's like chasing her career Mm -hmm. or like balancing the like her like sex life or her family life with her career and like what if this was just an allegory about he's he's just like money corrupting her. Well, no, that's he wants her to be. Yeah, exactly. It's like capitalism. So the scene that like takes place after they hit like. They go like they have this huge fight because he she he like brings a third without her consent to the like to the Chelsea Hotel. He like has a sex worker who comes and meets them there and she wasn't okay with it. And then like they run into like they like they basically have this traumatic like fight slash like they make out at the sex show in Times Square. It's just like horrifying and like re- like she, her performance in it is like totally like it's I don't know she's so 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 good in it but then she has to go from that to this opening mm-hmm. and it's like when she's in this completely emotionally you know rot place and then she sees you know this artist who's just sort of lost at this gallery full of these like yuppies and like New York art people and stuff and he's just like this kind of older man who apparently like lives upstate or lives in the country or something and they both kind of meet eyes and like that really I thought that like I I kind of I started crying like I like teared up <laughs> during that yeah. because like it's a good for movie. me it was like it wasn't just that she had like neglected her job it was like as much as she had kind of like co-opted this guy to be a part of like this New York art scene or whatever like her being a part of this New York art scene or being like a creative class person was co-opted by this guy just for his like right. amusement it's just like this like turtles all the way down type thing and like mm-hmm. being realizing that you're a part of this system and it feels like this origin story for like the next 20 years of New York development and like all the artists and creative people being pushed down and everything too. No, totally. Because yeah, totally. even it's like she has an art gallery where it's like she's part of the problem, but she doesn't even know it probably. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. a great movie. Adrian so Lynn movies. Or so Lyme, good. I whatever know. they are. They're all kind of about Unfaithful like. Faithful is also a like well, tremendously sexy movie. Yeah. yeah they're all about like sex taking over your life to the point of mania where you like can't yeah. accomplish anything else, which is like. A good thing for movies to yeah. be about. Yeah. And I feel like he really like he respects the characters enough and like clearly respects the actors enough to get these incredible performances out of them so that like when you do have what otherwise would feel like a completely unearned sex scene or just like gratuitous like you're totally in it by that point you're like yeah oh, yeah they're gonna do it in the clock <laughs> and like <laughs> things can have gr- and no and like something that has like like the sex scenes only are gonna be good if you're like interested in the character yeah. exactly the characters are so much more interesting than in Jade or Body of Evidence for right. instance that it's like it's and they're quirky and whimsical and there's like some like weird like I was like is she basing this off of Annie Hall or is that right. just the hat and the coats <laughs> the but there's a like I'm carrying all these balloons and no, laughing at everything um, <laughs> They run into the wild. little rascals yeah. on in Coney yes. Island, like yeah. on the boardwalk. <laughs> the fart so song. Weird. 
I want to go to that New York. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. also, what's interesting is so I didn't realize that Kim Basinger like had a horrible bout of agoraphobia where she didn't leave her house for like months, I guess, because she was she just like couldn't handle it. But it's also a really good uh, view into living in New York when there's like it just it it's such a weird snapshot of 80s yeah. New York mm-hmm. that I, I mean, kind of remember from like being a kid of just like there was like lots of yelling. Nobody was like on their phone. <laughs> I sound so old. Well, there's yuppies. Nobody was on their phone. So they yupp- were hitting cabs all the time. There's yuppies, but you still have the Times Square sex shows. Right. Right. But and it's downtown also, like, is still yeah. genuinely downtown. Like Yes. Yeah. But it feels like this, like, very chaotic, like, over overly, like, sensory kind of experience. And then his apartment is so sterile and so quiet yeah, and yeah. so calm. And he brings her there and won't let her leave. And it's almost like he's kind of, like, shielding and protecting yeah. her and, like, almost depriving her from, like, any sensory stuff. Yeah. Well, it's right. Like, it's also spoiler. just, like, what you... Oh, yeah, like this. This side is gonna win. Like, yeah, <laughs> you no, know, just that thing of like, I'm taking care of you, but like, maybe you don't realize that right. it's like you don't want it. It's about it. But idea. she did yeah. want it. Well, but then I mean, she didn't. Want not it. to do a psych eval on Kim Basinger, but then she did marry Alec Baldwin, who seems <laughs> very controlling. You think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I've. I mean, again, like, I feel like all these movies are just, like, they're such good roles for women. That's yes. what I'm like, oh, look at all these great actresses who got undervalued because they were also, like, good sex symbols. Like, Kim Basinger, Rebecca Tamornay. It's I know. about, like, somebody's internal sensual and romantic interior. Right. Like, it's, it's not, it's not, it's so much life. more interesting than just being, like, pretty woman where it's like, yeah, like, I was paid for it and that's how I got in this crazy situation. It's like, she wanted right. something. She clearly yeah. wanted this. And, like, having a character who wants something and is, like, interested in a certain kind of, like, unconventional affair is really interesting. And it's, like, very dramatically compelling on screen. But all anyone talks about is the food stuff. <laughs> the food, because you have to. We should rank all of all of the sex scenes in this. For the first half of it, I was like, are there not going to be that many sex scenes other than, like, this crazy food scene that's happened? And then no, there no, are. No. Um, um, I really, I thought that the ice cube sex scene and the sewer sex scene were really up there for me. Yeah, the ice cube uh, is the first one. It's It's pretty good. Yeah. Mickey Rourke, y'all. I mean, I the only thing that kind of ruins the Ice Cube one for me is that he's like smiling through the whole thing. He's smiling through the whole movie, though. That's one of the weird things where you're like, what's up with this guy? So there's that one. The sewer one is good. There's the the one that goes awry at the Chelsea Hotel, which mm-hmm. is uh, not so fun. Let's push um, that down the list. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, clock tower. The clock tower is really good. The clock tower is not is the quite same good. one as as you can leave your hat on, or do they just no, all blend together? That's a okay. different one. Yeah. That's like her it's doing a, a strip goofy. tease for him. Uh, that was like too goofy. Yeah, it, it was, was like way too goofy. Different music could have made this work. I feel like, but yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was a little silly. You guys don't put you can leave your hat on for sexy times. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so and fast. no one answered. I was, I was, I watch, like I was watching. I was like, oh, it's such a fast song. <laughs> again, in the eighties, I feel like people were constantly putting on a man's shirt and hat to oh, yeah. do a striptease, right? And a mustache. Everyone did. Everyone did. The mustache. <laughs> the fact that he didn't peel off the mustache for so long. I was like, bold choice. Again, yeah. this movie full of surprises. I liked the selection of hotels as well. Like cause the, Algonquin. Was the Algonquin. Algonquin for the boy date. 
and then mm-hmm. and then Chelsea for the like non-consensual threesome. There are all these different moods and spaces. Set, and he, set, set and setting. Yeah. And he he was like, oh, I used to like live in hotels all my life or something. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. You become obsessed with finding out anything about him because that's the whole thing is he won't tell her anything yeah. about it. Which yeah. is interesting because like then you watch Fifty Shades of Grey and you're like, I don't care what his deal is. Whatever his deal yeah, is, right. I don't care. I mean, it's it's so it's so like sanitized compared to this movie. They didn't have sex in any sewers, as far as I know, right. in Fifty Shades of Grey or any of any of that franchise. Well, and um, the whole premise of Fifty Shades of Grey, and not to knock it, because it has a place in our culture, and I don't, I don't, I don't deny its importance on some oh, level. Oh yeah, I but saw like, them all. Yeah, but like it, the premise of it is, what if a rich hot guy was into you? And like right. wanted and to goes, fuck you expensively, like yeah. wanted to spend a lot of money on things. But that first movie, that first Fifty Shades of Grey movie, is good because it does also go with the downer ending, where it's like she's t- getting her agency taken away from herself, and she's like, "Actually, I'm yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Not actually, fun I can't do this. Anymore. Yeah, uh, I guess. Well, fin- all fin dom stuff is sort of like the other way around now, like right, like f- like men who want to be dominated by women, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? You're talking about how Financial we're going to help. Yeah, 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 yeah. If anybody wants to be fin domed by night calls, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have the resources to fin dom uh, no, anybody. We do, we sure do. <laughs> we would send, like to be domed. <laughs> no, we just that's people just send you money. But like right. the idea, you know, heterosexuality is all about being fin domed. A, tra- a transaction so, to like uh, draw attention to the fact that there's like a transactional nature between right. sex and that's money. Like there on sort of a under the surface level at first. And then I think it really becomes explicit once he starts like the the bed scene when they buy yeah. the bed. I laughed out loud when he uh, they like buy a bed. I, I was I was kind of confused as to what was even going on, but they, there's a whole very long conversation with him. And this bed saleswoman where they're, like, customizing the mattress and, like, picking out the ticking for the mattress. The ticking. The t- what, what is ticking? And then and then he's like, can my lady friend lie on, on the bed? And it's like, uh, it's like a, it's another absurd scene. I think it's a, as absurd And it's lo- a long scene. scene. It's really long. But there's yeah. that whole, it's part of this whole sequence where he's buying stuff for her. Like, he buys mm. her, like, yuppie clothes. And he buys her, like, a riding crop and stuff. And, like, all this stuff. And that... that that is like more centralized in something like Fifty Shades of Grey, where it's like, cool, yeah. we're gonna go sex shopping. This is like after they're kind of really in the throes of the relationship, um, but that definitely exists there. And then, like, obviously, once the money starts to become more and more explicitly a part of the relationship, and from the point where he's making her crawl across the room for it, yeah. then that feels like everybody gets a little bummed out. Um, he also makes her steal, which is yes. like, I guess that that's. Has its place, but it th- I was like, "Don't steal." That's Molly's apparently a- she knows I have a hang up about. No, stealing. I know. I'm agree. Yeah. I agree, but I think I saw that in the book. That's like, yeah, that's the, a big part in, of it. That in was like real life that, that he like it escalated into like now we're gonna stealing like, and rob. mugging someone yeah. and like yeah, it escalated into crime, yeah. which is what it kind of feels like it might in this movie, right? Yeah, but it is interesting because it is like, hey, you know, when you're first dating somebody for the first 10 weeks and they might be a serial killer. Right, yeah. Right. Like, sure. Uh, they're either just doing nice things for you or it's because, like, it's a lead up to they're going to kill you. Yes. <laughs> and this movie really captures that and that's exciting. <laughs> what an exciting time. Um, If you have thoughts on Nine and a Half Weeks or on anything else, give us a call. 
at 24046night. You can also drop us an email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on social media, Nightcall Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, Nightcall Pod on Twitter. We're going to continue our erotic odyssey until we run out of erotic thrillers. Yeah, if you have any suggestions. Yes, we've been enjoying getting the suggestions. That's where some of these have come from. So please keep sending them. Um, I heard another request for Jagged Edge. Okay, we'll do Jagged Edge. Edge. Friend of the pod, Karina Longworth. So Karina, we will do Jagged Edge for you. Perfect. Let's do it. Yes, Karina has to come on the pod. Uh See you all next week. (laughs) That's it. That's my bye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from Brain MD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.